0: Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 17, Feedback Loop. Friday, I started keeping a food diary again. The first time I kept a food diary, well over a decade ago now, I did it for weight control. I had just moved out on my own, and committing to writing down everything I ate and drank was a way for me to get some feedback on how I was nourishing myself. It definitely made a difference. I did it for about a year and then stopped. I restarted off and on over the next decade but didn't really ever commit as much time to it as I did that first time. So, why start again? Well, not because my goal is to lose weight, though any app that you download to your iPhone will assume that. No, I'm keeping a food diary because I don't feel very well. I've suffered another relapse with my hips, and my shoulders aren't happy either. I'm sleeping poorly because of the pain. I don't have energy, and I'm tired. In short, I'm feeling pretty bad, and it's time to start taking some control over and getting some feedback on things again. For me, writing things down is my go-to source of feedback. It's why I put my yarn stash on Ravelry, and my fiber stash on Nimble Sticks, and why the fiber stash will go in Ravelry with their new hand spinners functionality. I love spreadsheets and charts and all that kind of record keeping. It lets me keep that information in one place, and makes it easy to manipulate to get the information I'm looking for. It also keeps me honest. With all my yarn hidden away in bins, sometimes it's easy to lose track of what I actually have. So, when I realized I needed more information on my health, I started looking for ways to track things. So much of what we do in a day is done almost unconsciously. How much water did you drink on Friday? How many steps did you walk? How long did you spend on your commute? How many hours did you sleep? If you can answer those questions for Friday, do you remember the details of the Friday before? Like many things, unless we write it down, we lose a lot of information about how we live our lives from day to day, information that might be important if we start to feel unwell. I started tracking my lunch hour walking three weeks ago through RunKeeper which uses GPS to ostensibly track my short, slow walks outside in our startlingly finally almost summer weather. There have been some pretty funny GPS fails, though. I don't think there's really good coverage in and around work. Again, tracking my walks is not about losing weight or keeping to an exercise routine because I walk for pain control. Rather, tracking them is a way of putting a mark on a calendar and saying that this day or this week... I did this, despite the way I might have felt. A few weeks ago, I ran across a post from late last year by Michael Moore about walking. It really struck a chord with me, because he talks about how he'd been going out for walks simply for the sake of walking. He also talks about his confusion when people began asking him how much weight he'd lost as a result. Because that wasn't the point of him going for a walk. He was walking because he wanted to, because it cleared his head. Did it have physical effects? Yes, it did. Did he obsess over his weight, his strength, or anything? No, because he simply did not care about quantifying the effects. Walking was its own end. Runkeeper and Minette Diary both assume that I want to lose weight, that I have a specific target in mind. I give them numbers to get them to be quiet and do what it is I actually want them to do which is to track my activity and nutrition. RunKeeper also keeps sending me perky emails about setting new personal records, which is slightly annoying when I'm back at my desk eating my lunch and shifting in my seat to ease the ache in my hips. But, like Michael Moore, I don't really care about personal bests. I don't care about calorie counts, or what I weigh every second of every day. I care that I'm going out there and doing things as much as I'm able And I care that I'm getting the nutrition and hydration that I need. But most of all, I care that I will be able to look back at my records and see what I did this week, and next week, and the weeks after that, to look for patterns and to give myself the feedback that I need to start feeling better. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. fiber week. Well, my level two homework has been sent off for marking. I sent that off on the 13th of August. I haven't uh, heard that it got to its destination or haven't received it back yet. So still don't know how I did. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I passed. But there, there's a part of me that goes, Oh, what if he didn't? But I mean, I suppose that's a silly part of me. Everybody I've talked to, all my friends at knitting groups and stuff, are like, of course you passed. But I just I just never know. So while I wait for my level 2 homework to come back, August, which is almost over, has been my month off. Which hasn't been a bad thing. Um, I did end up with a relapse on my hips. Started just after the last episode I put out. And uh, got to the point that after I woke up after my physiotherapy appointment on the Wednesday night and woke up worse, I called my acupuncturist and said, I need to come in and see you. So I was uh, two hours on the table with various pins in various parts of my anatomy. And uh, those particular muscles are doing great. But my hip flexors are worse. So I'm going to give him another call and say, well, it didn't work. So we got to look for some other reason. And keep going from there. I, I have a tendency to react really well to acupuncture. So I'm going to give this a try for a while. And then if I'm still not seeing any success between everything that I'm doing, I'm going to go back to the doctor and say, I think it's time for an MRI just to see what's going on with the soft tissue. But in the meantime, because that's mostly in my left leg, I can still single treadle. So I've been working on the frazzle bats. Now, I came home from fiber week with a whole bunch of frazzle bats. The ones I'm working on right now, there was a large one that Lana made for me. Um, and it's a beautiful blue, it's mostly blue, um, with a little bit of purple and some some black in it. So that's a large bat, so 100 grams. And then I also had a 50 gram bat, which is sort of the same colors, but more black instead of blue. So here we have 150 grams, and the large bat is divided into two. So I'm like, hey, I have a three ply yarn here. So I started that last weekend and spun up most of the first blue single and then started the black singles. And I'm as of the end of laundry today, I'm almost done with the black singles. In fact, I want to go back down there and spin the rest of it because then I'm two thirds done my three ply. So I'm spinning that at about 7.5 twists per inch. And that's a rough guess because I'm doing one treadle for every draft and my draft is averaging about an inch. So now, see, and this is where the level three part comes in. Now I'm going to do the math and see what my plying twist needs to be for that three ply to make sure that it balances. Because like like I I said before, I mostly do two ply in Master Spinner. So the three ply is a little different. Anyway, so with the two blue-ish... Singles and then the one black single. I think it's going to be really nice. I'm spinning it quite fine, so I'm hoping for a heavy fingering at the end of it. And I'm hoping there'll be enough for a decently sized shawl or stole, is what I'm hoping for. So, and that'll be Corydale with a bunch of little bits in it. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a little rougher, but I think it'll still be a really nice you know, shawl or stole once, once I'm done with that. Then I've been taking my tackly with me to work. And when I haven't been knitting, I've been just playing a bit with the tackly And it, it's been going okay. There are times where it just doesn't, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not spinning, putting enough twist in, or it's just getting too fine. I found with the cotton sliver that if I get to a point where I haven't fluffed it out, it actually spins way too fine and then eventually drifts and breaks apart. So I have to be careful that I have to fluff out a certain amount of it. But it's amazing how fast it goes when you're actually spinning it on that tackly, Because you just, you know, yeah, you pull out, you know, an arm length and then wind it on. And and all of a sudden you're through all the stuff you fluffed out. So I'm really enjoying that. The tackly's fun although i think i have to possibly blame the tackle for the aching that i'm having in my left shoulder because it doesn't do that very well the whole out across the body and i think probably part of the problem is that i'm i'm spinning too much i'm i'm doing too far of a draft i need to i need to draft less and wind on more often and that will that will help so so in terms of the spinning that's what's going on I'm hoping to order a click bearing for the, uh, the back Maiden on my traditional uh, because I think I'm going to do most of my um, TPI spinning for level three on the traditional. There, I, f- I have a feeling there's some slippage going on with the joy that will make the TPI exercises a little more difficult, but I, with the click bearing in the back, on the tratty will be much easier to handle than what i have to do right now which is twist that back maiden to uh, to get the bobbin off so i'm going to get that ordered and and then go forward from there i'm starting to think about level 3 i'm starting to think about how to arrange things and what what to start spinning and how i'm going to get it done at the very least you know I'm, despite this you know setback on my hips i can still treadle with my right foot. So at least I can still spin as long as I'm careful. So that's where I'm at. Not a fantastic update health wise, but I'm really, really enjoying spinning what I want. It's, uh, I think I need to definitely set aside time once I get started on the homework just to do that. And I may, you know, I may just set the joy aside and say, this is my fun spinning right here. So, so that is the Fiber Week update. Fiber Notes. There's actually a lot to talk about in, in Fiber Notes this, uh, this episode. So let's get right down to it. Uh, the neurotunic is rather stalled. Um, I finished off the body and sew together the the uh, shoulder seams and then picked up around the neck um, before I picked it up around the neck I tried it on and it's quite loose um I'm a little shocked at how loose it is but I think once it gets the weight of those two trying or two rectangles on it for the tunic part I think it should be okay so I didn't tear it back I was like, let's, let's get this figured out. Um, so what I did was I picked up around the neck for the neck band, and then read the instructions. And the instructions said to knit six rows and bind off. And I thought to myself, I really, really dislike the look of rolled stockinette. So it's been sitting there picked up while I think about other neck treatments. And it'll have to be the same for the armholes as well. So it's kind of stalled until I figure that out with everything that I've been doing in terms of appointments and uh, and how well I've been not sleeping. I just haven't had the brain power at the end of the day to really start thinking about the neck treatment. What I'm thinking about doing, and I have to dig out this pattern, is um, there was a really interesting border on a shawl that I test knit for a local designer. And I think with the lace weight, it won't be too thick. It's definitely a border that's more designed for bordering something garter stitch but because it's lace weight I I don't think it'll be too thick on this tunic so I have to dig out that pattern and see if it'll work and basically it's a it's again you knit the stockinette but when you cast off you connect it to where you picked up so it gives sort of a nice a nice edge so I'm going to try that on the neck and if it works great and I'll do it for the armholes and then I will move on to the rectangles that will go with the tunic so that since that's been kind of stalled I've moved on to a couple of other projects. I've been taking my ba- basic sock with me back and forth to work. I'd uh, I'd finished the heel flap, turned the heel. When I turned the heel I connected the um the reinforcing thread and I'd started knitting with that because it was a wool thread I didn't cut it off. I just went all around. Uh, the sock and I got Probably about six or seven decreases into the gusset and I thought ah this isn't right this is not right at all so I ripped it back to the end of the heel and uh, I've just I've got the reinforcing thread hanging out in the inside the sock I've got it safety pinned into the leg of the sock so it doesn't go anywhere and now I'm picking up the gusset again and uh, and continuing so what I'll do when that sock is finished is I'll cut off um, a length of the reinforcing thread and then basically duplicate stitch the reinforcing thread into the heel and then stop and then do the same thing with the ball of the foot where I need the reinforcement. And that way it's just where I need it. It's not all the way around the sock and making it more difficult or, you know, giving it more bulk where it doesn't need it, which is across the bridge of the foot. So, so I, I was a little further along on that one than I am now but that's okay. It's a sock. But uh, that's going to have to be kind of put aside for a little while because uh, Knitmonton, who I know absolutely nothing about and I'm not involved in whatsoever, has been accepted as an artist for the Kaleido Family Festival here in Edmonton. And we are one of four artists. We they, they are one of four artists that will be decorating a lamppost as part and parcel of the festival. Now that'll be the second week in September. So the uh, Knitminton artists have to be down at the festival to decorate the lamppost for a minimum of three hours in person. And because Knitminton is anonymous, these artists have to figure out a way to be anonymous. So again, not knowing anybody at all involved in knitminton, I am knitting a hat out of bulky yarn. And I don't do a lot of work with bulky yarn, but it's amazing how fast it actually knits up. I started this hat on Friday and I'm probably almost ready for the crown shaping. Now it's called the gridiron hat. Uh, it's a free pattern, I'll link to it in the show notes. And I'm using Knit Picks Wool of the Andes Bulky in uh, a variegated colorway called Anchors Away. It's got this very interesting nautical feel to it with some crazy stripes of yellow in it. But it's a really, you know, cute hat, and I'm almost done it. And then as part of this hat, I've also knit, out of not the same colorway, but the same wool, a um, A beard which will be attached to the hat temporarily, probably. And, uh, and that way, the people in Nittminton, who I know nothing about, will be able to stay anonymous. Of course, just because I'm knitting a hat out of bulky yarn with a wool beard means it will be 30 degrees on September 14th. Guaranteed. <laughs> Absolutely guaranteed it will be 30 degrees on September 14th. Uh, once that hat and beard are finished, I have to start making my contribution to uh, to the installation. And what we have decided to do, what they have decided to do, is do a yarn garden. So they are looking for flowers and you know pollinators and critters for the garden. Um, no bigger the flower is no bigger than three inches in diameter. So have to go into my yarn stash, start looking at Ravelry for some interesting flower patterns, and maybe see if the library has, there's some really great books on there, uh, out there. Um, I saw one, we went out for tea at uh, the Hotel McDonald here yesterday, and someone had brought a book called Noni's Flowers, which looks amazing. I gotta get my hands on that book. And then there's another one called, uh, I think, A Hundred Flowers to Knit and Crochet. So, There's plenty of flower patterns out there and I just got to go into my stash and see what I have that will work for, for flowers. Also clouds. I'm, I've been asked to do clouds and earthworms as well. And September 14th is not that far away. So I think most of my projects on the go right now will probably sit on the back burner until after that installation. So But I tell you, what I really want to do right now is cast on a shawl. When we were at the MAC yesterday, a friend of mine had just cast on a shawl and gorgeous, gorgeous yarn. I mean, it's a simple pattern, but I was looking, she was just, it's the start of a triangle shawl. I'm like, oh, I miss doing that. And I got some great yarn at Fiber Week and I have really nice, some lace yarn I've got a beautiful hand-dyed yard I got a few years ago in a swap that I really want to do something with. And maybe that's why I can't finish anything because right now I'm all cast on all the things. Cast them all on. And I really can't do that right now. I have things I need to finish, you know. I, I want to finish my mom's sweater, the, the modification I'm doing to my mom's sweater before Thanksgiving, and a few other things. But... Although I did cast on something, besides the hat and the beard, uh, because we were going out to high tea at the Hotel McDonald yesterday. I got up in the morning and thought to myself, this will be a perfect place to get a picture for this episode's podcast, but you know what Lemma really needs is a hat if we're going to high tea. So I went down into my stash and I grabbed some yarn... That I'd hand dyed with Kool Aid, a lemon lime Kool Aid, and I actually managed to finish knitting—not not not completely finished, but the hat part, a Miss Dashwood. Now I've always wanted to knit Miss Dashwood, and I've always wanted to knit Miss Dashwood out of this particular yarn, and so I just sort of succumbed to that. And it took me three hours, and I knit really fast, but. I, I got it finished. I quickly steamed the brim so it would lie flat. And so, yeah, baby stuff is awesome because it doesn't take much time. And I, I was always wondering how this yarn would knit up because I'd hung it so it was half in the solution and it actually exhausted the kool uh, solution, like the color came completely out of it. So I'd always wondered how it would knit up and it knits up great. I was really happy with the way it turned out and it was very spring-like and I still have plenty left. So I'm half tempted to knit her a sweater, not maybe just like a, like a long, a flowy sweater, something, something spring-like. She can have a spring outfit. So, so yeah, I'll probably finish off the ear flaps on the Miss Dashwood when I have some time and hey even if i don't keep it i can i can you know donate it to to a, a charity the terra i think terra is going to be looking for donations or the Edmonton knitters are going to be looking for donations for terra again soon so so that is fiber notes and hopefully i do not succumb to temptation and cast on something before the next episode <laughs> fiber side chat. In levels one and two of master spinner, you're working almost exclusively with wool. But in level three, you start to branch out a little bit. And one of the fibers that you branch out with is cotton. Now, cotton, I found doesn't quite give you the same feedback as you spin as wool or a protein fiber does. But we were really lucky when we started to learn how to spin cotton that we had Jill Holbrook hanging out in our classroom. Jill had been at Fiber Week teaching a course about spinning cotton, and she came to hang out in our class because she's about to take Level 3 herself. So it was really valuable to us to have someone with her expertise there as we were starting to learn to spin this new fiber. Now before she had to leave, I managed to sit down with her for a really quick interview and talk about cotton and how she became such an expert and how so passionate about it. And since I've been spending some time with my Takli and at work and having decent luck learning to spin cotton, I thought now would be a good time to bring you a Fiberside Chat with Jill Holbrook. Well, I am sitting here with Jill Holbrook, who has just been hanging out in our Level 3 class while we learned to spin cotton. And, uh, and you teach spinning cotton. Yes. And you live in...
1: Arizona? Arizona. So cotton the state. The cotton state? <laughs> it's one of the cotton states. Texas thinks
0: it's the cotton state. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, um... So we've just been working on spinning cotton, and we've been spinning off of, you know, different kinds of preparations. And, and it's been really interesting. So for, for someone who's new to spinning cotton, what are some, some, you know, beginner tips and tricks that you can give? Probably
1: start with a puni okay. or, or a cotton ball and spin mm-hmm. off the seed. It's mm-hmm. a good place to start. And I think the Takli is one of the best spindles, or any little support spindle that mm-hmm. you can um, spin easily you you start by getting the the hang of that right um, Flicking it so that it spins freely in the bowl and kind of corralling it so it doesn't fall down yeah. <laughs> So do that until you're comfortable with that and mm-hmm. then you can attach the cotton yeah. if it doesn't have a hook Then you can attach a leader to start off with mm-hmm. in some cultures They spit on the tip and start up that way, but mm-hmm. somehow that annoys me so I usually use a, a leader if I have to, mm-hmm. or just spin your own leader, yes. you know, by your hand, yeah. and then just play with it. Mm-hmm. Um, cotton likes a light, light touch, and mm-hmm. that's the hardest part. Once you feel that, you have kind of like a little, oh, oh I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's really, really
0: easy to spin. Mm-hmm. Well, we've just been doing it for, you know, what, like half a day now, uh-huh. and, and I'm, you know, I'm even getting consistent.
1: Yay! Cotton singles, which is
0: pretty amazing. <laughs> Yay. But yeah, you're right. It, it takes a lot of twist. Yeah, it does. So, well, it's very short.
1: Yeah. Um, you can get cotton anywhere from a half, well, a half an inch, which would be what, like one and three quarters centimeters. Yeah, so three really two, short. Yeah. And then you can get the Pima cotton, which can yeah. be up to one and three quarters on the other way. You yep. know, so over an over two and a half centimeters, like. Mm-hmm. That bordering on three and a half centimeters yeah
0: Yeah. but even even that that being a long cotton that's still fairly short oh yeah compared to wool yeah so so what what made you you know so passionate about cotton well, I how, didn't, did, how did you start?
1: Yeah, I didn't start with cotton. I mean, I started like most spinners do with wool, mm-hmm. but it just—it's all around you, and so you kind of wonder, well, what—what's that all about? Yeah. And i, I did spin um, yes. carded cotton initially, mm-hmm. using carts not so much, and made fatter ponies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that feel of, especially the not the sliver that we have now. The cotton yeah. processed sliver that we have now is so great to mm-hmm. spin because it's not been processed to death okay and so it still has some of its crimp in it mm-hmm. and it it just spins like a dream you know yeah. you could just sit there and do that all day and it's very mesmerizing yeah Good. Yeah. And I like the simple tools. It's mm-hmm. nice to have something so small, like the Takli spindle. Oh, yeah. That's so portable and you can go running around with yeah, it anywhere. And, yeah. And, yeah. I
0: carry a Turkish around in my purse. There you go. And yeah. it, do you
1: spend more on your Turkish? I do. Oh, do you? I do. Yeah.
0: But, you know, now that I know how to spin cotton. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have some nice <laughs> cotton. I, I ended up with some nice cotton, cotton silk blends. Oh, cotton <laughs> silk blend is gorgeous. Yeah.
1: It's I a little slippery that. at well, first yeah. because of the silk, mm-hmm. but you can still, it's very, yeah the the final yarn is just scrumptious oh yeah it's really nice Mm -hmm. so i'll be doing some playing once i get home oh great yeah i do a lot of knitting Mm -hmm. with my own cotton i've done i usually do two ply Mm -hmm. but um, i've also crocheted with it Mm -hmm. and it's it's a nice fiber to wear it's not too hot it's not too cold Mm -hmm. if it's really cold you'll need something else on the outside but yeah uh, it's just a comfortable fabric to wear Mm -hmm. good Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Oh, you're very welcome.
0: By the Wayside Remember last episode I was talking about the ground and how I was going to get that done and then filled in? I should have looked at the pattern because the ground is only a line there's actually no filling in involved in the ground which on the one hand is good I mean I could get the ground done on the other hand I was a little disappointed but it turns out it's okay i I didn't have a lot of time in the last couple of weeks to work on the tapestry I sat down last night that was my plan and did the ground and uh, and then also started working on the the bayou stitch the filling in of the border dividers and also working on that tree on the right hand side but you know, as I was working on it, I'm like, "I think it's time to start the horses, and I don't know why I think it's time to start the horses, but it feels like it's time to start the horses and and you know, I think maybe it's because you know the the border's getting really close, yeah, there's a whole bunch of little figures and stuff like that that still need doing, but and i and I know I'm not even fifty percent done, but it almost feels like I'm on the home stretch, which is really weird. I don't know why it feels that way. I'm not arguing with what my brain is telling me. I I like the fact that it feels like I'm on the home stretch. So so yeah, I uh I'm recording this segment, but I want to finish a couple more of the borders before I take a picture, but I'm hoping to still have natural light enough to do it. But today's been a little busy and I still have to do the dishes, so Hopefully I'll be able to finish at least the border divider I'm on, then I will take the picture and put it up. So yeah, not not unhappy with my progress. Wish I'd had a little bit more time, but you know, when you have a whole whack load of appointments and have a harder time taking the tapestry to knitting groups than, say, a sock, it limits the amount of time I can actually spend on it, so... To be honest, I'm looking forward to the first episode in January 2014 because I think what I will do is I will put up side by side pictures of where it was a year ago and where it's going to be at then. So, and it's going to be amazing. I know it's going to be amazing. And maybe that's why I want to start the horses because there's this big blank patch in the middle. And I know it's not blank. So. So yeah, it's out on the couch. I will be, I will still keep working on it. And yeah, I'm thinking, I'm really thinking I'm going to start the horses. So that is your By the Wayside update. Thank you for joining me for episode 17. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 18 on September 8th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.